Clarence Nadolny just had his best year yet as a Red Raider, but will it be his last? We'll discuss his 21-22 season and what could be next coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. Our Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Be sure that you have subscribed to the Locked On Texas Tech YouTube channel. If you have not already, we've got lots of good content rolling out there. You're not going to want to miss it. I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News. I'm joined by Emery Lida, a longtime Texas Tech analyst, writer, and podcaster. And today we are taking a look back on Clarence Nadolny's season. Obviously, he had a much improved year compared to where he was at as a freshman and a sophomore. Really stepped up in some big ways for the Red Raiders uh, when, when their depth was down and had a couple of explosive games. But there's a lot of questions and a lot of silence about his status right now. But before we get into any of that, Emery, walk me through a little bit of the evolution of Clarence Nadolny and how he kind of got to be the player that we saw last season. So it's important to note coming into Texas Tech, that Nadolny was very much a raw, a raw prospect. And obviously he had been sort of on the U.S. scene for a little while, but he wasn't someone that had been a refined prospect. Certainly the jump shot was a real question mark, as was pretty much every part of his game. And Tech was a late offer. He was a late addition to the 2019 recruiting class. And his freshman year was pretty rough. He didn't hit a single three kind of played sparingly, but he had his moments. I mean, obviously he got spot minutes at certain points, such as in the Kansas game that year. The defense has always been something that he's really had a lot of success with as an on-ball defender, really pesky, sometimes maybe a little bit overzealous, but certainly his freshman year was more of a guard. He was offensive role was very much as a ball handler. Defensively, he was kind of just that great guy. And then the second year kind of filled in a little bit more as a wing type player. Uh, certainly you saw him um, when Kyler Edwards and Mac McClung was out there, he would get a little some minutes at times just to kind of be the three in that lineup, sort of give them some defense when they're trying to go ultra small ball as a result of Tech's roster that year. And heading into this year, it was kind of unclear how he was going to fit in. There were some people that thought he would have been kind of a candidate to be the leading primary ball handler for, for Tech. Obviously, he had been very sporadic in that role whenever given the chance the last two years. And there's kind of a question about how his offensive game had room to develop. Obviously, someone that's very aggressive when he attacks the rim, drew a lot of contact through each of his, his first two years, got to the line a lot. But he wasn't someone that was necessarily great at finishing at the rim. And also, as well as that, he's someone that couldn't really, didn't have a ton of burst, couldn't really hit much of a jump shot. I mean, his three-point numbers are really not that good. So there are a lot of questions behind the shot, the decision-making as a ball handler, and the ability to create separation. So coming into this year, you've seen as really an elite-level defender, a lot of question marks offensively. Exactly how he fit in was unknown, but as we saw, kind of missed some games early on in the season, I believe due to injury, but then after a couple of games, really kind of went in and out of the rotation, and then had 
a really big game against Gonzaga where TJ Shannon was out and that sort of set the tone for how he was going to be used over the course of the rest of the season. Yeah, well, I'll admit, I haven't exactly been spearheading the Clarence Nadolny Hive movement. Um, I've kind of been a little bit bearish on just his identity as a player. I know that last season we saw a lot of flashes. I think a lot of people will point to that West Virginia game in Morgantown and just say, look, this is a guy that can run the offense. Like This is somebody who has elite capabilities on defense. They're very aggressive, has really good hands. If you just give him the space to create and playmake in this way, it'll happen at a successful rate. And I was kind of, uh, you know, not necessarily even tapping the brakes. I was kind of pulling the e-brake in that situation. I just didn't think there was totally enough tape to get that kind of version on Clarence Nadolny. I just feel like he is who he's been heading into last year. But surprisingly, I think his defense got better. Um, and, and that really reflects in the rate stats and even just the raw stats. I mean, you look at his first two years at Tech, nine steals, last season, 33. You look at the rate stats, two two steal rate in his freshman year, 1.1 steal percentage, sophomore year, and then last year, 4.1. And I think a big, big part of that for Clarence was really learning how to be aggressive on the defensive end without getting into foul trouble. He, um, like you look at his per game averages and he's still averaging one and a half fouls per game, which is what he averaged as a sophomore. But in terms of actually counting fouls, they are down considerably. The per 100 numbers are a lot better. He really honed in some of that aggressiveness and used it to good. So, well, I do feel like there were certainly uh, some offensive developments that Clarence had only made, and we can get into those in a second. I feel like his ability to get even better on defense and be a little bit more conservative was a big, big asset for this team. Yeah, you look at the foul numbers, and that's really kind of what tells the story. I mean, his fouls per 40 minutes, his first year was 6.7 fouls per 40 minutes, which means he's literally averaging fouling out every game if he played 40 minutes. The second year, 6.6, so not much improvement in that aspect. This year, 4.1, which still isn't great for a guard. That's a little bit higher than you want someone that's not playing in the paint to be at. But, I mean, 4.1 is not horrible. I mean, and it allowed him to play games where he had more minutes. I mean, you look at a stretch early on in conference play against Iowa State, Kansas, Baylor, and Oklahoma State. Yes, Tech was shorthanded, but he played at least 25 minutes in all four of those games and was able to reliably do that without fouling out any in any of them. And that kind of shows the discipline that he developed on defense. I feel like his communication as a defender, as a team defender, took a huge step forward this year. And that's some something that I feel like is really important. It allowed Tech to kind of play him whenever Kevin McCuller went down and TJ Shannon went down. It allowed him to be sort of more of an integral part. And I think that's something that's really overlooked is he was able to sort of not make team defensive mistakes. He was a really dependable guy when he was out there. And I feel like that's something that with a lot of the mix and match parts that came from the transfer portal last year and sort of having to get a whole lot of guys to gel together, having a guy like Nadoli out there helped out and just allowing the team to not miss switches, not be laid on assignments. That's something that really I think is one of the biggest strengths of Clarence's game. And then, like you mentioned, I think the discipline defensively, obviously the foul rate sticks out, but also just in general being smarter on when not to go too ambitious on reaching and kind of making mistakes when it comes to that. I thought, felt like he was a better positional defender this year in terms of not letting his guy get by. It wasn't one of those things where he was – all out aggressive just trying to body up. I mean, certainly you still have that bulldog, bulldog 
mentality and clearance. And obviously he had a five game stretch where he had 15 steals, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's just down to his ability to be aggressive without fouling. His team defense was really good offensively. I mean, we can discuss that. I think that there were still a lot of limitations there and maybe not the development we were hoping for, but defensively, I feel like he became a more well-rounded player and one that was more mature and more sort of capable of taking on a big role and being able to play heavy minutes. Yeah, well, Clarence went from a guy that was a 1.8 points per game score to 3.5. So it's not exactly like we're talking about a guy going from walk-on to, you know, all Big 12. Wasn't an insane jump. One thing, though, was very, very noticeable in Clarence Fendoni's game last year, and it was his ability and effectiveness to get to the rim. He was a really, really good driver for this Texas Tech team. And that was something that they really, really needed this season. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because early on in the year and certainly at times last year, that was something that wasn't necessarily a massive strength. And it's interesting because when he first came to Tech, it looked like he, that was going to be a massive strength of his. I mean, his first few games, he was getting the foul line more often than he was shooting a, shooting a shot. So, like, that's pretty ridiculous. And then it kind of faded. Last year, we didn't see it quite as much, but... This year, for whatever reason, whenever he was able to be a ball handler, his ability to drive effectively, even without the major burst, just simply kind of bulldozing his way to the rim at times without getting offensive fouls, I thought it was pretty impressive. Also, he turned into a really good cutter. I feel like that was one of the biggest developments he made from last season was his, ab- was his ability to cut off the ball and get good looks in the rim. I mean, you look at it, and over 40% of his shots at the rim were assisted. And that's a really high mark for a guard. And so for for Nadoli himself, I feel like his ability to improve as a cutter and then also just kind of showcase the ability we saw some in his freshman year to get to the rim really helped out his offense. But at the end of the day, when someone shoots three of 27 from three on the year and one of 22 against top 100 teams, that's a bit of an issue. And I think it really limited him offensively along with the turnovers that at times kind of kept him from being that ball handler that was able to sort of take on a lot of responsibility. Let's highlight some of the best games of Clarence Sondolny's junior year, but first, a quick word from Built Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not a resolution because I actually enjoy eating Built Bar products. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low in calorie, high in protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. Go to Built.com and scroll down the macros chart. You'll be blown away. They're high in protein, low in calorie, high in fiber, low in carb. Go to Built.com today to get your hands on some of your own. All right, now for a big announcement. For the first time ever, Locked On is hosting live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft from our studios in Dallas with pick-by-pick analysis from our local team experts and draft gurus. Tune in all three days as our draft team guides you through every pick and every trade in real time. It all starts Thursday, April 28th at 6 p.m., available on Locked On NFL YouTube channel as well as the Audacity app. All right, well, thanks again for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. A reminder that we are free and available on all platforms. Taking a look at Clarence Nadolny's junior campaign, it was certainly one to remember. And if we're going to be talking about Clarence Nadolny, it, I mean, we, we got to start with, with the three-game stretch where Texas Tech was 
uh, a little bit underhanded, or I guess really the the two game stretch. Um, and then if you want to include the Iowa State game where Tech had seven bodies, that was certainly a, a kind of an introductory performance for him as well. Uh, the Kansas game in Lubbock scored 17 points, easily the game of his life. Uh, if you're Texas Tech, you don't win that game without Clarence Nadolny. Plays 35 minutes, makes all five of his free throws, gets three steals, three boards. He was just phenomenal. Then played 20 minutes in Austin, scored 14 points, had two steals. Again, made five of six free throws, three boards. Uh, really good performance there as well. And then if you want to talk about the Iowa State game, played 36 minutes as pretty much everybody on Texas Tech's roster had to that night. Had a miraculous four steals and one block, three assists, zero turnovers, and fouled out. It's a very Clarence Nadolny line, but... That stretch, man, it was clear that there was something special about his defensive game that had just evolved. And then we really saw in that Kansas and Texas game that he had added an element offensively. First eight games that Clarence played in this season, he scored a total of 17 points. The Kansas game, he scored 17 points against a top 10 team in the USA and was Arguably the best offensive player for Tech that day. Maybe outside of Bryson Williams. But the point stands, like, for Clarence to do to do that, to have the biggest game of his life, like you mentioned, in a pivotal game, in a game that really kind of turned the tide on Tech's season, like, it was incredible. I mean, his ability to get to the rim effectively, to shoot his free throws, really just being a dependable offensive player, it was incredible. And when you look at his defensive ability, that five-game stretch from Alabama State to Oklahoma State, he had multiple steals in every single one of those games, there was a time when he had 15 steals in a five-game stretch in that in that in those games. I mean, you look at it: three steals against Alabama State, four steals against Iowa State, three steals against Kansas, two steals against Baylor, three steals against Oklahoma State. His defensive intensity during that stretch was incredible. I mean, if it wasn't for what Miley Wilson did this year, I think you would be saying that Clarence had one of the best individual seasons from a rate standpoint that we've seen from a Tech defender and. I mean, when you look back at those games, his ability to play heavy minutes in those and really kind of surprised everyone because, I mean, we were talking about it at the time, kind of a little bit of a joke about, oh, Clarence is going to be player of the game in this one. It's going to be like a 50 to 49 type of game. But really, like his ability to get heavy minutes and actively help the team offensively being a reliable force as a ball handler, even if sometimes it wasn't pretty defensively really being an intense on ball defender, getting a lot of steals and then communicating well, making sure the guys weren't making mistakes. Like that's what you wanted to see from Clarence as a player. And it really sort of showed the development that he made. And you saw it one more time at towards the end of the season against Texas as well, where he had the 14 points in Austin tech doesn't win that game without Clarence to both on the offensive end and defensive end. And I mean, for one thing, that was like the one game the entire year where his shooting was really good. I mean, he had a three, had another one where his foot was on the line. Like, outside of that that game, he really didn't have any other games where his shooting was up to par. But certainly, I mean, for that to happen in one of the most important games of the year just shows what Clarence could do as a player. Unfortunately, outside of that five-game stretch and outside of the UT game, he kind of struggled again down the stretch of the season. As minutes sort of faded with TJ and Kevin coming back, it kind of hurt his overall consistency and production. But still, I mean, te- that five-game stretch for Tech where they went 4-1 and one 
and where you were down a few players and you were able to kind of weather the storm, get a couple of huge wins, and Klinich was big in both of them. I think biggest parts of that's probably the most important part of Klinich the only's career and arguably his ability to step up was really vital to Tech's season just because of how important that stretch was. Emery, I'm just looking at the clock and it turns out that it is trivia time. Since 2009, three Texas Tech players have finished a season with a steal rate over 4% while playing over 450 minutes. Obviously, one of them is Clarence Nadolny this season. Who are the other two? Did Malik cross 450 minutes? Malik Wilson played more minutes than Clarence Nadolny this season, which is very weird to look at right now. I Yeah, I think Malik Wilson would be... That'd be the second guy, obviously. And then, was it McCuller? Hmm, who else could it be? It's, that, it's not Zaire, is it? That'd be... 2012-13 season. So, not Josh Gray. It is Josh Gray, man. Can you believe really? that? He had a I higher didn't... steal rate than Clarence Nadolny did last year. He finished with 4.3. <sighs> Clarence's was 4.1. What a year for Josh Gray, the freshman. I really big did not see there. that coming. Yep, pretty surprising, but just goes to show you the rare air that Clarence Sandolni was in with his defensive ability, and then you touched on the offense as well. Very, very impressive. I'm like blown away looking at this right now. If you take Clarence Sandolni's three highest scoring games this season, that's 17 against Kansas, 14 against Texas, 11 against Baylor, that equals 43 points. Look at his freshman year and sophomore year. Finished the entire year with 47 points his freshman year and 44 points his sophomore year. So pretty absurd increase in usage and scoring ability from Clarence Nadolny last year. Yeah, it's just crazy to think that those three games, like he genuinely looked like a really good scorer. And in all honesty, the rest of the season, I mean, if you took out those three games, like, I don't have the math in front of me, but I think you could say that he scored more in those three games than in pretty much almost the rest of the season combined. Like he played 33 total games. Those three games accounted to for 42 points. The rest of the season, I believe he scored somewhere around 60, 65, just off the top of my head. So like, I mean, for him to have those performances and they were against good teams too. Like him putting up 17 against Kansas in such an important game was really massive. And the way that he did it too, like he was able to be good as a cutter. He was good as a driver. He was able to hit his free throws. Like that's what we wanted to see from Clarence. I feel like, I mean, his defense is always going to give him minutes on the court, but when he's able to put up offensive numbers like that, it really makes you wonder just what his overall potential could be. But unfortunately, I mean, you have to look at it, and if he isn't coming back to Tech next year, it's going to be very frustrating in a sense just because you're going to have that missed opportunity. And obviously people are going to wonder, well, what if he could improve the jump shot? But I honestly think there's an avenue for him to be a positive offensive player just with sort of limiting the jump shots and focusing on getting the rim if he can just improve the decision-making some. Emory, you looked ahead at the future of Clarence Adoni. It's almost like that's what the people want. And we're going to get into that in our next segment. But I've got to say this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. 
With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home. You're going to save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Rock Auto is also a family business serving do-it-yourself customers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Well, I have a monopoly on the Texas Tech off-season chart game, but Tech Hoops guy is coming after my throat and has been doing a phenomenal little spreadsheet this year. I mean, he, he doesn't even have any formatting on here or anything. It's just names, numbers, and percentages, and he, he's taking a look at the likelihood of, of certain Tech players and what the chances are that they will be back you look at his most recent rendition that came out Tuesday afternoon, Clarence Nadolny is the least likely player to return at 15%. Terrence Shannon Jr., who has publicly said that this would be his last year as a Red Raider, is at 40. And I know people have some, uh, some words for Hunter on that one. But I think it goes to show that the silence around Clarence Nadolny this offseason is a little disconcerting. All right. Well, first off, I just want to say to Hunter, until you consistently have Austin Tipperman in those charts, I'm always going to choose my fellow co-host over them. But that being said, they are phenomenal charts. It's been great to see kind of how the percentages have developed over time. And I mean, first off, I mean, looking at TJ at 40%, definitely think that's going to catch some eyes. But looking at Clarence's, I mean, I think it's just the lack of information has a lot of people concerned. I mean, obviously, like, really the extent of the rumors that we've heard and sort of the bits and pieces of information that have been heard is kind of along the lines of, well, there's the option for him to go play overseas and return to France and play in a professional league there. Obviously, you've seen sort of him not be around the program when Tech has released those practice pictures. You've seen just in general, it looks like he's kind of, distance himself from the program so there's a lot of questions there I mean I wouldn't completely shut the door but certainly if you're looking at the guys that are on the that are either on the roster or were on the roster last year that are eligible to return obviously O'Banner's announced he's coming back you have McCuller who is going through the draft process but by the looks of things if he's not going to the draft it's going to be coming back to tech potentially and then you've got TJ who I mean we've talked about his his um impending decision on numerous occasions on this podcast and every time it feels like there's new developments and something different happening. So, I mean, with him, let's just say it's kind of all up in the air, but with Clarence, there's kind of, kind of an eerie sense that he's just not going to be back. And that's not the end of the world. I mean, obviously like tech has been actively recruiting guys from a guard standpoint and Clarence himself has a lot to gain by going overseas. So it's, it's not something that should be an issue per se, but it is, certainly worth noting that he's not been around the program and by all accounts kind of things have gone silent on his end when it comes to returning to tech. So here's the thing with Clarence. Uh, There are kind of two ends of the spectrum here, right? Like extreme pessimist, you know, 
time to move on from Clarence Dondolny. Uh, he's taken up a roster spot, taken up a scholarship, ready for the next page. He is what he is. Extreme optimist. Clarence Dondolny still has a lot of potential. We just saw one of his best seasons of uh, his career. Uh, my name is Emery Lida. I'm somewhere like somewhere closer to the pessimist. Um, and here's the thing. Clarence Dondolny showed a lot of evolution in his game last year. And I, I think I know where you're going with the idea that he can still be uh, a productive offensive player without developing the jump shot. I think any hope in his jump shot coming around at this point is just a lost cause. I mean, we, we have enough of a sample size. The form is not good. Um, but where he can contribute offensively, I feel like is getting to the basket because, I mean, the dude is Energizer Bunny. Like, that's what I've called him for three years now. And he's shown that on the defensive end. And this year, it felt like he really found a way to channel that offensively. Um, I just don't think, like, Clarence Sodoni is who he is. And that's a, it's a great thing to watch. It's really fun basketball. It's really agonizing basketball at times. But it's really, really entertaining. Um, I, I don't think that there's a ton of room for growth in terms of his assist percentages or the way that he, you know, serves as a playmaker. I don't think that he's going to skyrocket to like a seven points per game player. But I also don't think that he's wasting a roster spot or that he's abusing a scholarship or holding the team back. This is a guy that you're more than happy to have on a Division One basketball team. He's a reliable contributor. He gives you something that nobody else can defensively. And so I think Texas Tech is in a little bit of a waiting game right now. As you mentioned, it seems like there's little to no communication. It seems like the pulse on this is that he's either going to be a Red Raider or he's going to be playing professional basketball closer to home. And I would say that the second of those two options seems a lot more likely right now. Um, but whatever Clarence decides, if you're Texas Tech, you're okay with it. And if you're Clarence only it benefits you. Either way, that's how I feel. So first off, looking at Clarence as a player, I think that at the end of the day, you have to look at the fact that his overall offensive game is what it is. I think that where he can improve is just simply optimizing how each possession is worked out. He's not going to be a good jump shooter. I think that's been established. He has an ability to get to the rim and to draw contact and finish at the rim. But I'd argue that no other guard that's currently on Tech's roster can say can say that they have that same level of ability. You could say, well, if TJ comes back, he might be better at finishing at the rim. But at the end of the day, I think Clarence has the ability to simply get there without drawing charges. He, for as reckless as he might be on the defensive end, his offensive game, when he gets to the rim, he doesn't put himself into harm's way quite as often. So that's one thing. I also think that his court vision is kind of an overlooked asset. I mean, certainly... He might not be someone that can be a primary ball hinder all the time, but his ability to find open guys and make decisive reads off of drives is impressive. And I feel like if Tech can manage to get him under control just a little bit more, and certainly in the half court, we saw flashes of that this year. That was kind of something that I felt like was a little bit different, is when he was playing these games where he was tasked with being kind of a 30-minute player, you saw improvements when he came to that. When he was playing 10 or 15 minute spurts and he was just being out there really as a hustle guy. Yeah. You saw him play out of control a lot, but I feel like the maturation you saw at certain points this season was a clear step up. And then I think defensively you saw this year, 
really what the outright potential of him is, is someone that can be a good communicator on team defense, rotates well, on the ball is a really good defender and able to disrupt a lot of things. And that's something that you're always going to have space for that guy. So the people that say that he's wasting a spot, I think are just ridiculous because the lack of a jump shot is something that's a major flaw. That's kind of out there. And I think that's always going to limit him as a player. But I do think there's a lot of room to optimize how he's how he's used, how he plays himself. I think that at times he could settle a little bit too much for playing as an off-ball three-point jump shooter considering how good he is at cutting to the basket. So I think that there's room to improve there. But I don't know. I'm just optimistic, not so much in his improvement as a player, but in the way that he's able to get utilized. So that's the first thing. As for his future outlook, I mean, you mentioned again, like being closer to home, playing overseas by all accounts that seems like the more likely route and I think that again you can make arguments both sides it's worth noting this is gonna be his fourth year in college basketball if he chooses to return which oftentimes you don't see massive improvements in terms of the overall stock from professional scouts whether it be in the NBA or overseas and so for him he could see that that sort of avenue is maxed out he could also look at it from he probably stands to make decent NIL money if he returns to Lovick, probably not as much as some other big name guys, but certainly enough to enough that it'd be worthwhile. And obviously coming back to play for Mark Adams, playing for a university that he's been at for three years, those are all things that kind of factor in. But at this point, just given given what we've seen, given the fact that he hasn't been really in great contact with the program, I think it leans towards him playing closer to home in France, and that's totally fine. I think it's going to look good for him as a player. It, it opens up a space for attack, and while I don't think that he's wasting a spot by any means, I certainly think that you can also look for capable guys in the portal that can help you solve some additions. So it's not something where Clarence is some like absolute like, can't-miss player. I certainly think that there are going to be guys out there that you can find that have production value, that even if they're not the same player that Clarence and they'll provide the same value, so you could argue that they provide benefits in other areas that you need as a team and need to kind of shore out before the season starts. Let's do some quick hits to close because I've liked your thoughts on these as we've done these player performance reviews. Going to ask you or give you three scenarios. Give me your likelihood in terms of a percentage that you think these will be happening next season. They don't have to add up to a hundred or anything, just your gut feeling uh, Clarence Nadolny is a professional basketball player next year. 70%. Clarence Nadolny is a Red Raider next year. 20%. Clarence Nadolny is playing college basketball somewhere else other than Lubbock next year. 9%. Interesting. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. I would, I would probably even go as far to be a little bit more bullish on... Uh, the professional basketball route and uh, less bullish on the transfer portal route. I think he is who he is at this rate, and, and that's probably not a super lucrative uh, avenue for him. I think it's either professional basketball or uh, one more year as a Red Raider. Yeah, the other thing that factors into this that I just kind of thought about is as we're recording this, we literally only have five more days until uh, until players are available are able to enter their name into the portal and maintain eligibility for the next year. So if Clarence was to enter the portal, you would have thought that it would have already happened by now. So that probably reduces my percentage just a little bit. Good shout. And if uh, Clarence and only does end up taking a professional route, Mark Adams and co will have a scholarship to use. We'll actually be 
they'll have four. Um, they they got to use them. They they should be making some calls to some guards. I know they made one today, but still a couple of more spots that I think you'd like to fill there. And as always, we're going to have any and all updates on those conversations right here on Locked On Texas Tech. So be sure that you are locked on to our feeds wherever you get podcasts. Uh, we are free and available on all platforms. Be sure that you are subscribed to our YouTube channel, um, the Locked On Texas Tech. Just look that up in YouTube and we will pull right up. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at LBK, uh, where you don't have to listen to my voice. I greatly apologize if there's a raspiness, if I sound really tired. I feel like I have laryngitis or something, and I'm just fighting against it tonight, but was excited to talk some tech hoops tonight, um, so wanted to be here. And then you can follow Emery. He's got a great voice, but also great on Twitter as well, at Eraser41, and then follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter page so you get notified whenever an upload hits our feeds. You can find us on Twitter at LockedOnTTU. Until then, thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now make your second listen locked on NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow.